And this is Jim Lyon, your listener to Viewpoint. We're talking about heroes, and today with me, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you? I'm great. Okay, are you ready to get some green on, Jamie? I am. Because you know what? St. Patrick's <laughs> Day is around the corner, and we are going to talk about him today. Talk about heroes. We think about shamrocks. People think about green beer. They think about all kinds of nonsense. But Patrick was a real guy who was one of the most heroic figures, it seems to me, of the Christian era. We're going to talk about him because the heroics of Patrick can speak even to the present day. Stay with us. We've been talking for the last few weeks, Jamie, here on Viewpoint about heroic figures and saints. Now, a saint is somebody we think of as somebody who towers above the rest, to cut above. Sometimes we think of them as holy people who do everything right. And truth be told, in history, there are some standouts. But we also are here to say that anyone who becomes a Christian and finds new life in Christ, by the biblical definition, becomes a saint. But there are some saints that seem to have a capital S, don't they? And so St. Patrick is somebody we know about. And we celebrate St. Patrick on March 17th. And that's because in the ancient time, people's lives and their stories were often celebrated on the day of their death. We think of our birthday as being the day. So Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12th. Lincoln's birthday is a thing. But it's the day of death in the ancient world that was the thing remembered. And so St. Patrick is universally thought to have died on March 17th. Hence, we have St. Patrick's Day. But Patrick isn't just an excuse to have some shamrock cookies with green sprinkles. (laughs) Patrick was a real guy who lived the most incredible life. Was he an Irish guy? What do you think? No, not from what I read. <laughs> where, where did he come from? What's his What's his story? He came from um, Britain. Not really sure where in Britain he came from, but he was born in England, and he lived during the 5th century. And the Roman Empire was then still existing, and uh, Roman, Roman government uh, came to England, but it didn't go as far as Ireland. And Ireland was seen as a kind of wild and woolly you know, no man's land, the Romans who saw themselves as civilized and they brought their civilization to England, they saw themselves as superior to these barbarians uh, beyond the gates, or in this case, across the Irish Sea. And Ireland, of course, had people in it, but they were never colonized by the Romans. And even today, there's an Irish language that survives, but it has no Roman cognates in it because like English and French and German and so on. These are all languages that were birthed out of the original Latin of the Romans. The Irish language was not formed out of Latin, so it's quite different sounding thing. And that just demonstrates that the Irish were, were set apart and they were feared by the people who lived in Roman Britain. What else do we know about Patrick? He, he was born to a wealthy family. His dad was a nobleman, it seems. Uh, We know his name. And actually, let me just say here that what we know about Patrick, again, is not just mythological. There are a lot of mythological stories about Patrick, but the core of his story is actually well-documented because he wrote his own story. It's a book called Confessions, and he tells his own story, and that is a very credible historic work. What we learn there is his dad's name and the town, and they had some money. But what happens to him when he's 16, Jamie? What's the thing that is so amazing about Patrick? 
When he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped from his home. And yes, he was born into a prominent English family, but he was kidnapped from his home and he was carried to Ireland where he lived as a slave for about six years. Wow, 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 wow. So he's at home. He's living in the villa where his family is. Nobody knows exactly the circumstances, but it was not uncommon in those days for Irish guys to raid the Roman Britain because it had wealth and had all kinds of things that were made by the Romans, but also had people. And they would raid and they'd grab people that couldn't resist or that they could overcome, and they'd take them back to Ireland as slaves. This was slavery not based on ethnicity. It was just the slavery of convenience. And if you could overpower someone, you could make them your slave. And that's what happened. And some night, some day, Patrick's minding his own business. He's 16 years old. He's set to inherit the farm. He is uh, living his life, and he's kidnapped, taken back to Ireland, and he is enslaved. And when I say enslaved, that means he is forced to work without pay against his will for a master. And he has a master for six years, the same guy. He's not sold around, and he's sent out to be a shepherd. He has to take care of the master's livestock. And uh, if you've ever been to Ireland, I have been many times, it's beautiful, but it can also be damp and cold and windy. And so being the job of taking care of the sheep and the livestock outdoors, not your best gig. And that's why they needed slaves to do it. And that's Patrick's story. So 16, he becomes a slave until he's 22. But then then what happens, Jamie? What? How does he get out of that? So he escaped and then he went back to um, work uh, back to his family. But during those that time that he was enslaved, he describes it as a really good a turning point in his life because um, apparently he had already been introduced to the gospel before he was kidnapped, but he didn't really take it to he didn't heart. didn't buy in, yeah. Yeah, until he was, you know, he had all that time alone to buy himself and, like David and in, also, in the shepherd's field. Also, helpless. I mean, yeah. he's not only by himself, desperate. but he's desperate. There's just mm-hmm. nowhere to turn. But you're right. I mean, he, he, his teaching about Jesus suddenly takes hold in him, and he begins to actually believe it. And so his years of slavery are turned into a kind of faith-building time where he gives his life to Jesus and says, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. And so how does he escape? I mean, this is really significant because many of our heroes in this series have been motivated and empowered by what? Something that God gives them. He had a vision. He had a vision of himself um, going on a a boat. And so that boat was going to, I guess, bring him freedom, take him back to Britain and bring freedom. So he managed to break away and talk some people into letting him get on a ship and and ultimately led to his freedom. Think about the risks he was taking, because God impressed upon him a vision where he saw himself getting on a boat. And it was kind of like, this boat is waiting for you, and you just need to go get to the boat. And think about the courage it would take just then even to run away, because if he's apprehended, if, if his master or any of the master's family or the other power brokers in the area find him, he's going to pay for a big time. But he decides to swallow hard, and he runs to find the boat. And he's not even sure where the boat is, but 
his own testimony is he finds a boat, and just like you said, there's some guys on the boat. He begs them to take them. At first they say, no way, but his vision is so strong he won't let it go. And they finally come back and say, all right, kid, you're coming with us. He's 22, but the impression is that these are older men. And they get him on the boat. They take him back to England. There are all kinds of adventures there. We don't have time to tell. But what's striking is that Patrick has developed a relationship with God where he believes that God is speaking to him and showing him a way. So he gets back home, Jamie. How sweet that is. He's following Jesus, but then what happens? Why can't he just stay at home? Well, he had another vision. (laughs) Oh, why does God have to keep talking to me? Yeah, he had another vision, and in the vision, he saw a man coming um, as if he was coming from Ireland, and um, he carried many letters. And so he gave one of the letters to Patrick, and it said it was um, on the heading, it was the voice of the Irish. Mm -hmm. And so that really spoke to him. And he cried out um, with one voice, and it said, we appeal to you, holy servant, boy, come and walk among us. And I mean, Patrick can't escape it. I mean, (laughs) it's so powerful. We could say, well, that's just all made up, or he's a lunatic, or he's delirious. But for Patrick, it was so real. He couldn't shake it, and so he obeyed it. But think about this. The vision is the Irish, the people that kidnapped him, that enslaved him, that incarcerated him, that abused him. They're saying, come back and help us. Think about, one, if I go back there, will I be enslaved again? Two, why would I want to help them? Three, I wish that they'd suffer some like I suffered. I mean, our, our human reason would have every reason not to go, but he felt like God was calling him. And this is the big adventure of his lifetime. After all that he's already known, now he sails back to Ireland with the purpose of actually redeeming and bringing life to the people who had been his enemies. Wow. And the rest is history. He goes back and he starts preaching the gospel. He stares down with great courage the Druid kings who worship pagan deities and they had all kinds of occult practice in Ireland at that time. Remember, the Roman Empire had not gone there. The gospel uh, likely had been introduced to Ireland by some people before Patrick, but hadn't taken root. And Patrick, with fury and enthusiasm and courage, starts working it. And in his own lifetime, uh, no one knows for sure when he died. There are two dates, either 460 A.D., or 493 AD that are thought to be the likely dates, but both of those are in the 5th century. In his lifetime, from the time he went as a young man till he died, the whole island, the whole nation is transformed. When he dies, there were schools and churches and monasteries and centers of learning and culture that were all framed by Christ that did not exist before he got there. Think about the risks he assumed and the heroism of it. It's no wonder that he's still today revered by Protestants and Catholics in Ireland and all around the world. St. Patrick's Day is one of the most popular holidays (laughs) everywhere. And what a story to tell. When we come back, let's think about how Patrick actually lived out some of Jesus' own teaching in a transformational way. Try 
surviving day by day. You barely had the strength to pray in the valley low. And how hard your fight has been, how deep the pain within. Wounds that no one else has seen, hurts too much to show. And all the doubt you're standing in between. history, again, is captured in his own writing, and especially in a book called Confessions. And uh, in this book, he tells a story about how he grew up. And he, and he felt like as he was growing up that he had squandered so much time because looking back on his life, he felt like he did things uh, before he was kidnapped and enslaved in Ireland. He did things that were wrong and outrageous, and he didn't take the gospel seriously, and he didn't honor Jesus. And he so regretted that as he became a young man and came to Christ and then gave his life. A remarkable journey, and the confessions tell so much about his heart. There are things about Patrick revealed in the confessions, his book, a kind of memoir that tell us how strong he was and yet also how humble he was. He was not well-educated. The Latin in which he wrote his book, Confessions, is quite rough. Uh, That tells us that he had little pretense and and didn't try and imagine himself to be better than others. But at the same time, he's got a clarity of thought and precision of faith that just must have made him a most charismatic and powerful voice as he trudged across Ireland. 
And as I think about all that, he clearly was a follower of Jesus. He did it all for Jesus. He went back to the people that had harmed him. And I'm not sure I'd want to do that. I'm all in for sharing with my friends about Jesus, but the people that hurt me, I don't know. And I can't help escape some of the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, the famous Magna Carta, the kingdom of God that Jesus gave us, where he talks about, well, the way in which we have to help those who have harmed us. And these words are brought to life in Patrick's story, it seems to me. This is Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. Jamie, what does it say? It says, you have heard the law that says, the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. That's Jesus talking. It's so unreasonable. But that's what Jesus said. And he said this just following. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus, say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, well, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, Jesus is telling us, we're to be perfect, and yet that perfection is here defined as the way in which we love those who have harmed us, our enemies, the way in which we care for those who have been unkind to us. That, Jesus suggests, is perfection like our Father in heaven. Wow. And I cannot escape the story of Patrick in this. What made him so effective? How could he have changed the whole course of history? How could he have changed a whole country? It started with forgiveness. It started with his willingness to love even those who had at once terrified and abused him. There are lots of lessons we could draw from Patrick's life, Jimmy. Call some out for us. What do you think? Well, his life really um, kind of reminded me of Joseph because he was sold into slavery as a boy. But it also it re it brought me back to something that Joseph said that was really powerful when he went through the process of forgiving his brothers. He said that you meant this for evil, but God has turned it um, for good. And, and it also changed his family. And so I think one of the things that stood out to me the most was that even in the darkest moment of his life, um, God was able to take that and turn it around for good and for his glory, obviously, even today. Absolutely. The Lord doesn't waste anything, even the tough stuff. And Patrick found that to be true. As he lived through his life, while he grieved his slavery, he also understood that God used it for a good thing and brought something good out of it. And there's a really important truth there because we often want to walk away from the tough stuff but actually there may be something there to learn. You know, I uh, think that Patrick's journey of faith was 
was developed when he was humbled. Because you get the impression that he was at 16. I remember when I was 16, and you know what? You got the world waiting before you. He <laughs> was born into wealth. He, his family had prominence. He probably thought he was all that, and he was humbled. And it was in that humbling experience when he found that he was in a world that he could not control, that he found God. I hate to be in those moments, but actually those are the places where I can really find God. And then there's his forgiveness. I think it's just so extraordinary that while we all think of Patrick as an Irishman, he was not, and he went to help the people who had robbed so much from him. I mean, that uh, is heroic, and I can think of great people across history who have been able to turn that same wheel in their own hearts. I think about Martin Luther King, who was such an articulate voice for, hey, wait a minute, if you really want to change this culture, you're going to have to love these people who are harming you. You can't, you can't beat them at their own game. You have to use Jesus' game. And that's what Patrick did too. And that's something we need in these days especially. The world is waiting for some more Patricks, I think. There are some countries that still need to be changed, including our own, that might have a brighter future if it could just see things more through the lens of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, than the way in which we're prone to see. But how do we do that? How could we follow in the footsteps of someone like Patrick, who seemed to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we get there? Well, you can start by praying. Praying is when you connect with God and invite him to interact in your life. That's what prayer does. It invites God to speak into your life. And I'm telling you, you can do that with us right now. Yes, right now, pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you hear us when we pray and that your ear is always tuned to hear our voice, especially when we're humble, especially when we acknowledge that the world is more complicated than we can manage and that we need you to sort things out. And so we do right now. There are many different paths from which we can choose for our lives, Lord, and we pray that we might take a tip from Patrick today and choose your path. We pray, Lord, that you'll in some way position us to help those who maybe have harmed us. All of us have been harmed by somebody. Help us to know how to forgive and to love in such a way that we can breathe life to them. Help us to know how we can change the course of history in our community, in our state, in our province, in our country. Help us to know how we can be bold and courageous and stand for truth to stand for Jesus. Thank you for Patrick's witness. We thank you for the way in which Ireland was changed, and we pray that it might again be visited by the Spirit of Christ. But may that be said for where we live too. I pray, Lord, that everyone that's joining us in this prayer right now might find an intersection in the week to come where we can choose to be heroic. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are not hidden. Never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will 
If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the Jesus who propelled Patrick to change history, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone, and we're always glad to hear your voice. But Jamie, I know that some people may not want to dial up and talk to someone live just yet. How can they find us online? They can go to cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, that's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply, I promise, or just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Jamie, as St. Patrick's Day rolls around, I want to encourage you, get a shamrock or two and just pin them on, just for fun. (laughs) Why not? And thank you for being with us. Thanks for joining us this week on Viewpoint. We hope you'll be back with us again next week. 
as we, as always, try and help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.